0: Let's pray. God, I pray this morning that you would let your word do what you've designed it to do, which is to bring life and healing and wholeness and restoration. Lord, would you do that wonderful work of transforming us today and let us hear what you need us to hear today, that nobody would miss you, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen we kicked off a series last week called Unmasked, and Pastor Tim, I thought, did a wonderful job. If you missed that, I want to encourage you to go online. You can go to our YouTube channel or Facebook page, and you can listen and watch that message again, because it was really, I think, important for us to get our idea and our mind and our hearts around this concept, like, what do I do? When I see something over the last eight weeks that I don't like about myself, that we, you know, have used the phrase, boy, this brought something out of me that I didn't even know was there. And that is the truth of the matter, that what came out of us over these last eight weeks was what was already there. And so what we want to do is not what Tim discouraged us from doing last week, which is to stuff it back down and pretend it wasn't there, but to speak truth into what we don't like about ourselves, what has been exposed, what we've unmasked, what we looked into the mirror and didn't like. And that's what we want to do today. And this would be a great opportunity to sort of channel this inner motivational speaker and to encourage you, like, you can do it. You found something you didn't like about yourself, you can change and you can do it. You've got the power within you to do it. You ever been to one of those motivational seminars? I mean, the people on there, it's like, man, they just... Get everybody in a frenzy and you can walk across hot coals. Look at these people, cheer them on. And people are going nuts and crazy and they're all excited and they're walking across hot coals and everybody walks out there believing they can do it. Or or, or maybe you're not a motivational speaker kind of guy or girl and and maybe you're more into the self-help book kind of thing. That is a huge section in any bookstore on Amazon. They sell millions of self-help books around the globe. And why do they sell a lot of self-help books? Well, because a lot of people have unmasked and found something in themselves. I don't like this. I want this to change in my life. And that's they go about finding a self-help book to help them to change. Now, whether you're a motivational speaker kind of person or not, or you're a self-help book kind of person or not, The truth of the matter remains the same, and I realize even as I say this now, this is going to be like the anti-motivational speech, Um, so just get ready. I want to warn you in advance, but I think this first point is really important for us to understand and really comprehend and come to go, oh, wow, yeah, I do believe that to be true, and it's simply this, that you can't change your life. You can't. You're like, well, that, you're right. That is absolutely unmotivating for me. Thank you very much for that. I'm glad I got up in the morning. I'm glad I turned on my computer and watched YouTube and Facebook for that wonderful piece of hope. You can't change your life. You're right. You can't change your life. <laughs> and, and if you've ever been around somebody or maybe if you're honest enough with yourself and you can unmask and look into a mirror, you've run into something in your own life where you're like, man, I ch- I'm going to change this. No, I'm really, really going to change this. And you make some big promises And you realize very quickly, or maybe after a period of time, that you don't have the ability to keep the promises you want to keep to yourself. You can't change your life. It's impossible. And the reason I say that is, one, because I've observed that in human nature, and I've observed that in my own life. I don't have the power to change my own life But I also see it in Scripture. And there's this beautiful book called Ephesians. It was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Some people believe that he wrote it as a cyclical letter, meaning to go to a whole bunch of different churches. And there is just a lot of depth in what he has to say. In the beginning of chapter 2, he speaks these words, as I think important for us to get our mind around. As for you, that's you, Uh, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, that's a pretty powerful word picture. Dead. You're dead. That's what you're dead in your transgressions and in your sins. Now, do you know what you can do when you're dead? Nothing is the answer to that. You can't do anything when you're dead. If you're dead, you can't, oh, hold on a second, let me call 911 so somebody can undead me at some point. There's nothing you can do. You can't walk over to the defibrillator and grab a hold of it and put it on you and then push the button to bring you back to life. If you stop breathing and there's no breath in your lungs, you can't go to an oxygen mask and go grab a hold of that and pump oxygen into your lungs again. You're dead, you're dead. And so Paul realized this. And he said this is the natural direction of every single person. That at one point you were dead. But God brings you to life. So let's go on. In which you used to live. This is the direction that every single person heads on. They're dead or they're dead men walking. When you followed the ways of this world. This is the direction that this world would lead you down. Death in this world. And the rulers of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So this is everybody. Everybody is dead. And this is why Jesus came into the world, because we were dead. We couldn't fix our lives. We couldn't fix our relationship with God. And so Jesus comes into the world. And Jesus dies on the cross and takes all our transgressions and our sins upon himself. And he takes the punishment that was ours. And then he rises from the dead so that we would know that our sins have been paid for and forgiven. And God gives us that for what purpose? For new life. That we would be set free. That we would go from death to life. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, the greatest miracle that God has done in your life is taking you who were dead and bringing you to life. And that's a beautiful picture of what God wants to do. And this is the work that God does. So the truth of the matter, you don't have the power to change your life. Only God has the power to change your life. And that's good news, by the way. If you don't know who God is, God is all-powerful. He speaks, and things have to happen. He is the alpha, and he's always been here, the beginning and the end, He is the almighty one. He is omnipotent. He knows all things. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to transform your life. And only God has the power to do that. You can't bring yourself back from the dead. Only God can breathe life into your soul again and set you free and bring you from death to life. Only God can change your life and God wants to. Man, that's important in this concept to understand as well. God isn't just randomly looking for a handful of people and it's just a lucky lottery for those who get. No, God wants everybody to be saved and come into the knowledge and a relationship with Jesus. This is what God wants to do. And this is the work that God is doing in you. God wants that to happen. Now, how do I say that? Well, because of our text that Joel read for us just a moment ago. Take a look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God didn't just create the world like a spinning top. And he's sort of sitting back on a recliner up in heaven and looking down like he's watching some reality TV show. If that's your impression of God, that is not the God that we worship and serve. God is actively involved in the hearts and the lives of people. And what is he doing? It is God who works in you from bringing you from death to life. And the struggle we have if we're following Jesus and we're honest is that there's still a piece of death that wants to capture our heart. And there's a something about our minds that are intrinsically driven toward moving toward death. And God is patient with us and calls us back and says, i got something better for you. That direction you're heading, that's leading toward death. I want to lead you toward life. I've had a few moments in my life where God has just revealed that to me in special ways. And I'm so thankful he has done that. I had a friend that I grew up with and still to this day really good friends with him. And he didn't really have any relationship with God at all. And it was one of these late nights, late in our college career, that he... Looked at me and he said, uh, "J.T. That's what he called me." He said, "I, um, I feel like I'm missing something you have that I don't have." Which is sort of strange because he, like from the outward appearance, looked like he had everything. I mean, he was tall. He had hair. <laughs> um, you know he was handsome he was smart he was one of those guys that didn't have to really study at all he just intrinsically knew things and could memorize things and and he just picked up on things and i had to work hard for the grades that i i got so he just smart athletic you know talented he always you know always got the girl it was like all these things just seemed to line up and yet he looked at me he said man you've got something i don't and i remember sitting there as a college student going Wow, God, are you opening up a door for me to share faith with this person that doesn't really belong and believe in you? Wow. And so I began to unpack. I said, I'll just tell you, Jesus is the answer to your question. That's the only difference between you and me. Outside of physical appearance, Jesus is the only difference. And I've seen Jesus work in my life that I have a confidence and a hope in him. And it began, it began to unpack that over the years and, and to see him begin to start grasping a hold of that even now so many years later. And what he was doing is what a lot of people have done in their lives. They've realized that I'm, I'm just a dead man walking. <laughs> There's no life in me. And far too many people have lived lives that way or maybe you're living today. This is the life that you're living or I guess this is just the way it's gonna be. And There's no joy. I don't like getting up in the morning. I have nothing to live for. I guess this is just going to be my lot in life. And you might still be breathing, and you might still have a heartbeat, but you're already dead. And that's the trajectory that you're on. And what God wants to do is to wake you up from that slumber, and you don't have to live a life that's dead. God says, I've called you to be alive, and I want to save you. I want to bring you from death into life, and this is the beautiful work that Jesus does. So why doesn't it happen to everybody then? Yeah, if God is all-powerful and God desires to transform people's lives, why is it that so many, even followers of Jesus, are living the same dead kind of lives? Well, it's easy at this point, wouldn't it be, to blame uh, a lot of people? Blame my family I grew up in or I'm going to blame my church. I didn't really have a good church or I didn't have any church that we went to. It's my parents' fault. It's my church's fault. It's society's fault. It was my friends. I went into a bad group of friends and they led me down a wrong path and it's easy to blame. It's a lot harder to take the mask off and to look in the mirror and look at ourselves. But the truth of the matter is only you can stop the transformational change process. Only you can stop that transformational change process that God wants to do. And so over and over throughout the Bible, you see phrases like, stop resisting the Holy Spirit. Because what people were doing, and the prophets kept bringing it to their attention, you, you are resisting God. God wants to bring you from death to life, but you keep drifting back toward death. Before I moved here, I was living out in California. And uh, I quickly realized living out in California, there are a lot of nuances Is living in California that you're like, wow, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. And when I got there, they were in the process. They're like, we want to develop our preschool and expand it and build a new preschool building. And I'm like, okay, well, that seems like pretty simple. You raise some money, you get an architect, and you build a building. But not in California, you don't. Um, We had a, a specific use permit Uh, our conditional use permit, and we wanted to move that to a specific use permit in order to build on the property, that's what you had to do. Well, that's a lot of lawyer hours, and that's a lot of time, and a lot of going to city council meetings, and revising plans, and going back, and more lawyers, and, and so we went back and forth. And part of that process also then was getting an environmental impact study. And so you got to pay some environmental impact engineers to come in and study the project that you want to do. And so put all that together in that bowl of soup. And then you have to um, survey the area around us and do all these town hall meetings. you got to pay for all of those kind of meetings that you're putting together. And through all of, of that, before we could even draw up plans for a building and before we could even move a little grain of dirt, we were already in the hole just going through the process of red tape, 1.4 million and I remember that was mind boggling to me and some of the leaders were like oh that's alright we'll figure out a way to pay for that I'm like we haven't even moved dirt and we're in the hole 1.4 million dollars like that's a huge sum of money and we're a little nonprofit. this is a church we don't have unlimited resources for this and it's no wonder that a lot of people and a lot of businesses are like I can't afford to do business here anymore and they're leaving And now California is starting to realize that and they've started to put some things in place and starting to look at some of the red tape that they put people through and the just sheer cost of doing business. And it dawned on me when I was out there that I I wonder if we haven't done the same thing in our own lives. (laughs) That we've created so much unnecessary red tape and so much waste and so much cost that we've just given up on following Jesus because we made a relationship with Jesus into something that it's really not because <laughs> its essence it really is about transformational change that God wants to bring us from death to life that's really what it is but we've made it into well I got to show up at church I got to volunteer I got to serve I got to give I got to pray I got to read my bible I got to do all these kind of things these these are wonderful things to do <laughs> but God is really interested in transforming your life bringing you from death into life and only God has the power to do that you can't transform your own your own life Paul wrote this. Go to look at verse 12 in Philippians 2. Therefore, my dear friends, have you always as obeyed, not only in my absence, but now much more, or not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, I think a lot of people said, you know what, well, I was baptized. That's it, right? I'm I'm done. I went through a confirmation program, and right, I'm done. Or I joined a church, right, I'm done. I said a prayer, right, I'm done. I signed a card, I did whatever, I'm done, right? No, continue to work out your salvation. Why? Because it's a process that God brings you from death to life. There is still work that God is doing in me. And there will always still be work. As long as there is a breath in me, there is work that God is doing in my soul. And my job is to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit and stop resisting him and allow him to do the work where he wants to bring me from death to life. And he wants to do the same thing for you. You don't have the power to change your life. Only God can change your life. And he wants to change your life. This is the great and powerful work that God does. I love history. It's one of the reasons I think I love scripture so much. I get to see the faithfulness of God from, from an ancient standpoint, from out history. Do you see the faithfulness of God? And, and I love American history. And on Memorial Weekend, it's probably good to think about some of those things. And I was thinking about the uh, Civil War and Abraham Lincoln and all that he went through. And at the end of the war, you know, people were like, oh, isn't this wonderful? The Civil War is over, we're done. And uh, Abraham Lincoln then had this great quote. He said, uh, let us strive on to finish the work We are in. What do you mean finish? The war's over. We're done. Like The battle's done. We won. They surrendered. Let's go on. Let's finish the work. I thought what a great approach that would be. What a great quote for followers of Jesus. Let's press on. Let's finish the work. Because we're not done yet. There's still more to experience. There's still more to do. I'm so thankful in my life that I've had some of these experiences in life where God has just brought me from death to life in a very just radical kind of transformational way and I've got lots of those stories and I've shared some of these before but I was in grad school at St. Louis Concordia Seminary there it's grad school for pastors and was there on a long weekend and I remember sitting there and I'm having all kinds of doubts and I walk in there, and it's late at night and I'm there and I could just feel this darkness surround me and, and I began to have these questions in my mind like, do I really belong here? I and mean, if people knew, like, you know, past, year haven't been exactly, you know, Billy Graham Jr. growing up as a kid. You did some things you're embarrassed of, and boy, if anybody knew some of those things you did as a kid, and and so I'm hearing all those memories in my brain, and then it was like, you're not really as smart as most of these people. Like, you might be the dumbest person on this campus, John. Um, there's more people who know more Bible stories than you. They're, they're better at Greek and Hebrew than you, and and they know more about the Lutheran Church than you, and and I'm thinking, man, you're right. You know, I am. I'm not the brightest bulb in, in this thing and I'm a couple tacos short of a combination platter so I I get that I'm I'm there and and literally just felt dark and I'm like maybe this is not what I need to be doing with my life and I really didn't know what to do in that moment, but I did what I'd sort of grown up doing and seeing my parents do and my grandparents do, is just to open up their Bible. And I didn't even know where to open it up, so I grabbed this little devotional that I have, and we give these out as well, these portals of prayer. Some of you are familiar with that, and open up the little devotional, and and it had read Psalm 25, and then it had a New Testament passage, and, and I'm a rule follower, so I open up read first, and I was reading through Psalm 25, and as I began to read through Psalm 25, um, God was grabbing a hold of my heart and revealing things to me in a powerful way. And I remember reading through this and going, wow, King David felt some of the same weightiness and unworthiness that I'm feeling. So take a look at at Psalm 25 and verse seven. And this is what jumped out at me that night and just brought me out of this darkness and shone a bright light into my soul. Do not remember the sins of my youth, and my rebellious ways. But according to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. I remember just breaking down right there in my room and just crying, God, I want that. Would you please just remember, not my past and my mistakes, but if somehow you could use this cracked vessel I'm happy to serve you and follow you. And it was like this wave of love. And I could hear God saying, John, I love you. I've called you. I am with you and for you. Walk with me. Follow me. And I remember just being set free in that moment. I don't have to be the brightest student. That's okay. I want to continue to learn. That's what I'm going to do. I don't have to be at the top of the class. I want to be a lifelong learner. That's what I'm going to be. I want to passionately follow Jesus with all of my heart and soul. That's what I want to do. I'm going to stumble and fail, and I still do. But I pick back up, and I point myself toward Jesus again, and I want to come back. And I come back to this verse over and over and over again. And it wasn't until years later that I began to read and really study the rest of this passage. Take a look at verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Amen. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. And that's good news because I'm a sinner. He doesn't instruct good people or a few people that won the lottery. Um, He instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right. And he teaches them his way. This is the work that God is doing. Stop resisting the Holy Spirit. God wants to take you on the path that you're on from death to life. To life. And there's always going to be things that, are, that we're doing in our life that are leading us down the wrong path. And God is patient. And when the time is right, God will reveal that and take down the mask. Show you yourself in the mirror. And you'll have an opportunity in that moment to do one of two things. Either resist the Holy Spirit. God, I'm comfortable in this mess. I like the way I'm living. I don't want to hear it. Or you can allow God, God, show me the better way. Teach me the way to go, so that I can have life and have a better life, one that shines, the way that people notice a difference in the way that I live my life. Let me live that kind of way, Jesus, so that people come up to me and say, hey, there's something in you that I would like. What's different about you? And you get an opportunity to have the same conversation I had so many years ago. Let me tell you about Jesus. That is the only difference between me and you, that Jesus lives in me and he has set me free and he's continually setting me free. See, a lot of people have another misconception of God, that he is just up there with his great computer and just waiting to hit the smite button, waiting for you to make the next mistake so he can drain down sulfur on your head or do whatever it is that he's got at his disposal. Or he's just waiting to shame you for your mistakes that you make and nothing could be further from the truth. And even Ezekiel in the Old Testament, before Jesus even came, had this perception of who God is. For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. God's like, I don't want anybody to die. I don't want anybody to leave lives, lead lives that are leading toward death. I don't want to see anybody, dead men walking. I don't want to see people living hopeless lives. I don't take any pleasure in watching people live that way. So what do you do? Repent. Taking down the mask. I've looked in the mirror. I don't like what I saw. I don't have the power to change my life. God, only you have the power to change my life. Teach me Lord, in the way I should go. And then, what happens when you repent? You live. You go from death to life in one more area of your life. And then there'll be another one, and there'll be another one, and there'll be another one. So let me just ask you this morning, very simply, this question. What's your next step? So I was putting this together several weeks ago. I was really praying and hoping God, would you reveal the next step for people? Because I don't know what your next step needs to be today. Maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. And you're like, I I don't know. I've never come from death to life. I feel like I am dead. Well, maybe what we need to do is connect with you. And would you please do that? If that is you today, if you're watching online or here this morning, please let us know so we can help and introduce you to Jesus. Because he wants to take you from death to life. Or maybe there's an area of your life that, man, I I can't win this battle. Man, we'd love to come alongside and and help you. I don't know what your next step is. But I prayed, God, would you reveal that to every single person who hears this message live or is watching it online or is going to watch it somewhere down the road. Would you reveal what it is that people need to do for their next step? So I encourage you to think about that and write that down if you're like, I, I don't even know. I can't even imagine what the next step might be. I'll just give you a few to let the brain start percolating a little bit. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have our step one class. That's just a one-hour opportunity. We're going to do it again on Zoom um, to have an opportunity to talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus? And what does it mean to be a part of a church? And so we do that an hour. I love meeting people and hearing their stories and connecting and talking and just encouraging people, I love that. If you've never been to our Step 1 class, let me encourage you, go on our website and you can sign up for Step 1, that'd be a great. You're like, well, I've walked with Jesus for a long time, I don't need Step 1, yeah, you do. <laughs> if you haven't been through it, or even if you have been through it, it's great to be I love, every single time I do this, I love going through Step 1 because it reminds me of the goodness of our God and how graceful he is. Or maybe it's step three. Um, Step three is a deep dive. We do about eight weeks, and we dig down deep into the teachings of the church so that we can help the roots go down deep, so that when trials come, man, you've got a foundation, a stronger foundation on which you can build, and so we do that over eight weeks. Um, It's a wonderful opportunity. We start that next week, and so you can sign up on the website as well and be a part of that, and you're like, hey, well, step one, step three, you missed one. Uh, Isn't there a two? There is a two, uh, but we did one just recently, and so we're not doing one again until the fall, Um, but you can go ahead and go if you've never done step one and two and you want to jump right into three next week, God bless you. You can jump steps if you want to. We don't really care. We just want to give you a next step for you. So that might be it. Or or maybe some of you have realized over the last several weeks that, man, my life has been one of isolation where I haven't allowed anybody to come into my life and I need some relationships. We're designed for relationships. And so maybe your next step is I, I need to be a part of a grilling group. And I need to be part of one of these. And maybe it's, or God is calling you, your next step is to lead one of those. Man, God is tugging at me, and I, I want to create an environment where people are getting to know one another and we're sharing and encouraging one another. I want to create that kind of environment. Maybe that's your next step. And if that's it, you can go back. And again, just to remind you, you can text GROUP to 833-440-0137, and we'll get you connected um, and get you signed up to be a part of that. Again, it's just three weeks. What a wonderful next step that you could take. Because we're gonna follow Jesus, the world is gonna drag us and move us toward death. So we need some people around us to encourage us to walk with Jesus and to reconnect with him when we stumble and fall and we all do and we all will. It's great to have some people around us that are moving in the same direction that can encourage us and that's why we think it's so important to be connected in small groups and we continually talk about, like our our prayer is that every single person who is a part of the St. John family, whether it's here live in person or online, every single one is connected in a small group that everybody has a place to belong and a place to talk through and a place to be encouraged and a place to be prayed for and, and a place to grow. So maybe that's your next step today. Maybe your next step is just simply to come back next week. Next week, I'm going to lay out one question uh, that will really help you live a life without regret. So I want to encourage you to come back. I know what some of you are thinking, like, well, why don't you just give me the question now? It's one question, right? How long can one question take? No, you gotta come back next week. If you wanna hear that one question, that'll help bring transformational change to your life. I encourage you to come back and join us next week.